Good morning, Adam Brock. Hey, it's so good to be here with you. I just want to say way to go, everybody making it out to church. Uh, I didn't really have a choice, but uh, you did, so way, <laughs> way to go. If you are, uh, if this may be your first time here at Edinburgh, I want to just give you a warm welcome. Hey, we're glad you're here. Maybe this is your second or third visit. Uh, glad to have you. Um, I do want to give you permission, uh, if you are newer to Edinburgh, I, just real quick, uh, a 30-second nap, you're, you're free to take one. Uh, I just want to give the church kind of an update on, on where we're at with a fundraiser that we've been in, uh, something we, we call our Father's Heart Campaign. Uh, as many of you know, uh, a little over two and a half months ago, I, I, I challenged us to, to raise $60,000 by the end of this month, by the end of uh, December. And those funds are going to go to help us uh, do some remodeling, um, primarily in, in our children's wing, our beginnings wing, that's our zero through K, that, that's also used uh, on Wednesdays for Awana. We need to replace some floors, we need to redo some walls, uh, there's just much needed work uh, down in that wing. Uh, but we also need to do some, some remodeling upstairs in the swap area, that's our, that our youth area. Uh, you, you just heard, we had 145 stu- you know, people here for one night this, this last week, um, that would have been beyond fire code upstairs. Uh, you need to know that, uh, which is why it was, it was held in here. But um, there's going to be some walls that probably need to come out, maybe, or maybe some walls that need to be built so that primarily for small group space, that's uh, really where the challenge is at. Now, I, I challenged us to raise uh, $60,000. Doesn't look like we're going to hit the goal. We're $800 away, okay? Um, so, please help out, all right? Uh, it, it, don't sit there and go, okay, you're, you're, you're only $800 away, so now we don't need to do anything, or you really won't hit the goal. I want to challenge you, please step up, and if, if I know some of you, are especially, you're, you know, you're a person of means. If that's you, and you're thinking about year of, you know, end of the year giving, I, I want to humbly implore you to just keep Edinburgh Church in mind. Um, your generosity is, is what helps us do the ministry around here, like seeing four youth give their life to Christ for the first time that just took place this last week. So I just want to say thank you, Edinburgh. This is an amazing church. Uh, way to go. Now we are in our series, uh, What You Really Want, and, and the idea of this, this series is, you know, what you really want in life isn't going to be found underneath the Christmas tree. What, what you really want in life is never going to be found in a box. I mean, Christmas is great. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't know many more people that get more giddy than I do sitting around on Christmas morning opening up gifts with, with family. Um, gifts are great, but they're not what we really want in, in life. No material thing is what you really want. The things you really want in life is going to be things like spending more time with loved ones, 
and learning how to slow down the pace of life so that you can do that, something we talked about a couple weeks ago. What you really want is to have less conflicts in your life with others and more peace in your relationships with the people God has put in your life. What you really want is to make more of an impact in this world and to live a life with a sense of purpose. That's what we all really want. We're going to talk about that next week. But this morning, what I, what I want to talk about is having less fear in our lives and, and more faith. Because I believe that's what we really all want. Less fear and more faith. Just imagine your life for a second. If you had less fear, less anxiety, less worry, and you lived a life filled with more faith. All of us struggle with fear of some kind. It might be loneliness, you know, not having enough money, how your kids turn out, something like that. Um, one of my greatest fears, I've admitted this over the years, it has been the fear of failure, just fear of not measuring up, especially in that, this role. There can be a temptation to constantly battle a fear of just, you know, not meeting everyone's needs, not measuring up. A close second to that, though, is the fear of rejection, you know, conflict, and things like that. Uh, I still have dreams, um, nightmares, where I wake up in cold sweats after fear of something like not showing up to a college class to, to finish a test that I was supposed to take, you know, on time. And then I wake up realizing I'm a grown person years beyond college. But these are, these are still fears that I battle in my life. I'll just give you um, a list of, of some of the common fears. Here's one, aereo, uh, uh, aer <laughs> aerophobia, the fear of uh, flying. Uh, how about acrophobia, the fear of heights? How about this one, ergophobia, the fear of work? And some of us might struggle with that. And then how about this one, pantherophobia, fear of your mother-in-law? That might be a, <laughs> a legit fear. I, I don't know. Um, when I was in college, a roommate uh, invited me uh, to go rock climbing with him. He said, what are you doing this Saturday? I said, nothing. He said, do you want to go rock climbing with me? I'd never rock climbed before, and so I said, sure, I'll, I'll go rock climbing with you. And so I took him up on it, and that Saturday we drove up to Taylor's Falls, Minnesota, where we would spend the day rock climbing. Now, when we got there, it wasn't what I expected because what, what I expected was that we were going to get there and we were going to kind of like have a rope somewhere and then we were going to start at the bottom of one of these, you know, these cliffs, some of these cliffs. I think they're like 100 feet tall. And, um, and I thought we were just going to start by climbing up one of these cliffs, which I, I, was, I, seen, I was okay with that. But what I didn't expect is when we got there, we started actually at the top of one of these you know, 10-story cliffs, and my roommate starts tying a rope around a tree. I mean, it didn't even look like that very sturdy of a tree. If you've seen some of the trees up there, like the roots are coming out and sticking out, and I thought there was just going to be something a little more professional than that. Like, I thought maybe they'd have, like, a rope-tying station somewhere with, like, something anchored into the rock. No, he just finds this rickety tree and ties around, tugs on it a few times and says, this should work. Now, now, that wasn't the worst of it. The, the worst of it was when my roommate said, now, here's what I need you to do. And he, he, he has me get this harness on, and he attaches a rope to the carabiner so that I'm now attached to this, this rope that's attached to this tree. And he says, I'm going to hold on the rope, and what I need you to do is I need you to go back. I need you to lean over the cliff 
backwards, and then jump. Now, listen, I love my roommate. Struggles with a little ADD, you know, loves his beer, that kind of guy. But to back up to that mountain, that, that cliff, trusting my roommate, holding that rope, I can't tell you the thoughts that were, were going through my head. <laughs> like, the thought going through my head is, this is the most irresponsible decision I've ever made in my life. What was I thinking? I'm leaning over this cliff, 45 degree angle, and then he says, on the count of three, jump. And people ask, are, you know, do you have fear of heights or something? No, I, I wouldn't say I really have the fear of heights, but I do have a brain. <laughs> I do realize what's going to happen if that knot doesn't hold, or my roommate doesn't hold the rope like he says he's going to, or that tree doesn't hold. I realize what's going to happen. I'm smart enough to realize that, and so there I am. I'm standing over there, and my roommate gets to three, and I, <laughs> I jump. And I can't even describe to you in the moment that feeling of the blood going into my head as I'm falling, I don't know, roughly 20 feet before he catches me and I repel, repel down this, down this cliffside over and over and again, dropping and eventually getting to the bottom so that we can start spending the day climbing up. One of the reasons I was so afraid, it, it wasn't just because, you know, I'm trust putting my life in the hands of, of my roommate. But it was this feeling of not being in control. Like, I'm somewhat of a control freak. Like, I like to be in control. It's one thing when I thought I was going to be the one controlling this, and I would be the one climbing up the mountain, and I would be the one grabbing the stone, and I would be the one working my way to the top. It was another thing when I didn't have any control, and all I could do was trust that the knots, roommate, and tree were all going to hold. I just wonder today how many of us are in a situation where life feels like it's out of our control. There's something we're dealing with, and it just doesn't seem like we have any control over the situation. Is there something in your life that's making you afraid these days? I want to tell you something. God knows what that fear is in your life. He understands your fear. And if you let him, he can help you overcome that fear in your life. In fact, uh, the command not to fear, it's the most repeated command in the Bible. Did you know that? It's, uh, it's said 366 times throughout the scriptures, which means there's a command not to fear, do not fear, uh, for every day of the year, including an extra one for, for leap year. This idea, do not fear says the Lord. Why does God put it in there 366 times? It's because God knows that you and I are going to struggle with this issue of fear. So over in Mark 4, a few of Jesus' disciples are in a situation that's out of their control. And the main emotion they feel is fear. Jesus had just taught... Uh, a crowd of people near the Sea of Galilee. And I want you to see what Mark 4 tells us. Starting in verse 35, we read this, that when evening came, Jesus, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee. 
And as they're doing that, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat. So this storm comes, and these waves are breaking over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It's being filled with, with water. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? You know, I did some research on this. The Sea of Galilee, it's 680 feet below sea level, surrounded by mountains on all sides. And so it's pretty common for storms uh, to pop up out of nowhere. I mean, so this is a bad scene. These waves are coming in. They're crashing in over the boat. The boat is filling with water. Uh, As the boat is flooding, I mean, you can imagine the disciples, they're afraid. And they're thinking, Jesus, how can you be sleeping? But Jesus knew something that the disciples didn't yet know. There was a person in that boat. There was a power in that boat. A person who has the power to overcome any storm. There was a person in a power stronger in that boat than any storm you and I might be in. And so we read next, Jesus got up and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Obviously it's because of the storm, (laughs) but now it's because of something else. They They were terrified. We read, and they asked each other, who is this? Who is this guy? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're not just afraid of the storm anymore. They're afraid of this person that's in the boat. These storms we understand, what we don't understand is a person who has the power, who has power over the storm. So a storm hits, and Jesus asks a question, and here's the question I want to ask all of you this morning. Why are you so afraid at times. Why are we so afraid? As I look at this event, I I see that there are three reasons they and us become so afraid at times. And here's the first one. They didn't realize storms are normal. They didn't realize storms are a part of life. I mean, these are fishermen, many of them, many of these disciples, they knew about these storms. They were used to these storms. So, so why were they so afraid? Maybe, just maybe, it's because they thought, you know, we've seen this Jesus. He's pretty amazing. He's done some miraculous things. And as long as we're following this Jesus, maybe we won't experience any more storms in life. That's what a lot of people seem to think, that as long as you're following Jesus, you're, you know, you're not going to experience any more storms in life. Friends, that simply isn't true. It's not the case. It's not biblical. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have troubles. In this world, you will will have troubles. Here's something that I, I believe. You are either in a storm right now, you're coming out of a storm right now, or you're going to be going into a storm. You're either in a storm today, you're coming out of one, or, or you're going to be going in, in, into a storm. I mean, if it's smooth sailing right now, 
you will eventually be going into a storm, every single one of us, because storms are normal. They are a part, they are a part of life. I remember talking with Pastor Bob one time, and we weren't just talking about Christmas. <laughs> we were actually talking about something else. And we were talking about people's prayers and the things that we tend to pray. And I remember Pastor Bob saying, you know, the, the most common prayer that I hear people pray is the pray, prayer, take this storm out of my life. Something, something to that effect. God, would you just take the problem away? Take, take the trouble away. Um, but he said something. He, he, he said the problem with that, though, even though we can all understand that and we all get that and we all pray that prayer at times, the problem is that if God took away every problem and every storm, you and I would never grow. And I think he's right on the money. Friends, without the storms of our life, you and I would never grow more mature. You and I would never grow up. Sometimes what God wants us to do is he wants us to endure the storm. He wants us to persevere through the storm. Sometimes God lets the storm rage in our life to grow us up. Now, how are you going to learn how to forgive others and, and have a great marriage unless you've gone through some, some, some rocky relationships that you just had to endure? How are you going to ever learn how to have more peace in your life and more trust in God, unless you've weathered some storms in your life and you've seen the faithful hand of God in your life. James 1.12, I love what it says. It says, God will bless you when you're comfortable. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says, God will bless you when it's smooth sailing. No, that's not what it says. It says, God will bless you if you don't give up when your faith is being tested. Being tested by the storm, being tested by the furnaces of life. Th listen to this. Then he will reward you with what? A glorious life. Just as he rewards everyone who loves him. You want to receive the rewards that come from God, you want to receive the rewards, you've got to be willing to endure the storm. The temptation is to quit. And I've seen so many people do this over the years. They start following Jesus, and then the storm hits, and then they didn't know it was normal, and it was a part of life. And so they run from Jesus, and they run from the church, and they miss out on the rewards that God has for our life when we just, sometimes, friends, life is just going to be hard. And all you can do is endure it and persevere and wait for a breakthrough or some kind of resolution. But God tells us if we will do that, that is when we get to experience the rewards that come with it. We don't run from the storm. We go through the storm because storms are a normal part of life. I can tell you, I couldn't do this job had I not weathered some storms in my past and learned some things along the way. How are you going to learn wisdom unless you've gone through some hard times? And how are you going to learn faith and to trust when it seems like the world is falling apart around you unless you've gone through some hard times and trusted in God and seen his faithfulness? You've you got you to endure. We're all going to face the storm. The question is, 
Will we persevere through it? Because storms are normal. The second thing that reason the, the disciples were afraid, though, is because they didn't realize who was in their boat. Disciples didn't realize who was in their boat. Look, verse 41, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They didn't yet know who this Jesus was. They didn't know who this was who was in their boat. You know, there are many mornings where I wake up and I love to put on a, a pot of coffee and grab a cup of coffee and I like to just sit down before the sun even comes up. I, I have a special place in my house where I do this and right now with the Christmas tree on, you know, it's, I, I love that, having the lights, you know, uh, lighting up my, my living room and I just sit there and I, and I have God's word in my hand and I just try to get to that place of prayer. And so I just spend some time with God and, and, and some of the things, kind of three things that I'll remind myself of just to kind of get me in that prayerful spirit is one, I will remind myself that God is all-powerful. I mean, he's a powerful God. He created the universe. He created me. There's nothing that this God can't do because he is an all-powerful God. Then I'll remind myself that God is all-knowing. He's an all-knowing God. He knows everything. He knows everything I'm dealing with. He knows all my fears. He knows everything I'm, I'm going through. He knows everything that's going on at work. He knows everything that's going on in my life, and he knows everything that's going on in the world. And so I'll just remind myself, God, you are an all-knowing God. And then I'll remind myself that, God, you're an all-present that you're able to be everywhere, and you're able to be with every single person, which means you are with me right now in this place. And it's usually at that time where I'm just completely undone, realizing that I worship an all-powerful, an all-knowing, an all-present God, God who is with me in my living room right then and right there. You realize that when God is in your life, there's nothing you can't overcome. I mean, you realize that this God is in your life. There's no storm you can't endure. Look at what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, not make us afraid, but gives us what? Power, love, and self-control. And what kind of power are we talking about? Well, Ephesians 1 tells us that power, it's the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. It's the same power that God used to resurrect Jesus from death to life. And this same power, friends, resides in every one of you if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ. By his spirit, that power is now in you. I love the, the story of, of the girl who was at the doctor's office and, and she was getting a checkup and, and the doctor had the otoscope and he was looking in, in her eyes and he said, uh, am I going to find Big Bird in there? And then he looked into her ears and he said, am I going to find the cookie monster in there? And then he listened to her heart and he said, am I going to find Elmo in there? Finally, she piped up and she said, no, Jesus is in my heart. Elmo is on my underpants. <laughs> of course. You know, I was a little older than having, you know, Elmo on my underpants when I, when I finally made a decision to put my, my faith 
in Christ and trust him with, with my life. Many of you know my story, coming out of drug addiction, I was a high school dropout, just no prospects, life was absolutely out of my control, and I just put my faith in Jesus, and I just called out and asked for Jesus to save me. Friends, I'm just telling you, he has not failed me. He has been with me every day. He's been with me everywhere I have gone. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Jesus, he's been with me. He's never failed me. And that's what concerns me about some of you, that you are completely alone when the storm hits. Because you haven't invited Jesus into your life. And you face your storms all by yourself. And honestly, I have no idea how you do that. If you wonder why you're afraid a lot, you might think it's because of a health issue. If you're anxious a lot, you might think it's because of a bad relationship or poor health or you know, lack of, of money. And maybe that's some of it. But I'm telling you, the main reason you're so afraid is because it is you against the world. It's you against any kind of health problem, family crisis, job loss, or even death. It's all on you. The disciples were afraid because they didn't know who was in their boat. And so I want to ask you the question, who's in your boat? I'm telling you, if Jesus can calm an actual storm, he can calm the storms of your soul. If he can stop the actual wind, he can stop disease from spreading. He doesn't always do it, but he can. If he can overcome the sea, I'm telling you, he can overcome any storm, any addiction, any loneliness, any failure that you might have. The same Jesus that was in that boat is the same Jesus that resides in every believer through faith. And so who's in your boat giving you the courage and the power to face your storms? The third and the, the last reason the disciples uh, were afraid was because they didn't understand the connection between fear and trust. You know, the main emotion all of us in here would experience if we went through a storm out in the middle of a sea is fear. You know, fear is, is, is normal. But here's the lesson that God has been teaching me lately. And I believe this is very important for us, that what I fear the most is usually where I'm trusting God the least. That where I'm fearing the most in my life is usually where I'm trusting God the least. And I've, I've learned this is so true that we can almost deceive ourselves and say, oh yeah, I've got a trust in God. But what I realize is, yeah, I have a trust in God in this area of my life. Maybe when it comes to my marriage, but when it comes to my finances, not so much. And, and so I find that there's fear there. And I just wonder for you where it is. There might be an area of your life where, yeah, there's trust, but there might be another area of you where not so much. That's probably where you are experiencing Fear in your life. Maybe it's your finances or your health, or maybe it's how your kids turn out, something like that. But I love this verse, and it's something I've been trying to practice more and more in my life. It's 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast all your anxieties on him. Why? 
Because he cares for you. Saying, cast all your anxieties, all your worries, cast all your fears on God. Why? Because God cares for you. And so what I'm trying to do these days is when I, when I have a fear arise in me, something I'm anxious about, I try to identify it, and then I hand it over to God. I cast that fear over on God, and I talk to him about it. I say, God, will you, will you carry that? Will you worry about that fear for me? And I'm learning how to do that more and more. Now, I know maybe what some of you are thinking is, Brent, does God really care about things like my kids or my money or a conflict I'm having with a friend or boss? Does God really care how desperate I feel sometimes? And can I really count on him? Can I really give up control and trust him fully? The one thing the disciples actually that they did right that night, they called out to Jesus and they said, Jesus, wake up. <laughs> Help us. We're going to drown. That was the one thing they did right. And maybe that's what some of us, we need to do today. Maybe you've tried everything else, but the one thing you haven't tried is simply calling out to Jesus, casting your fears on him and asking him to save you, to be with you, to protect you, and to see you through. Casting all your fears on him, all your fears on him, finally giving up control and completely trusting God to deliver you. And I just wonder, what's it going to take for some of you to do that? You know, this week I was thinking back on, on something, and I hope this will illustrate you know, God's love for us. Well, my kids, I think they were roughly three years old. I was watching uh, Logan and Michaela um, my kids at the time, Danielle, she, she was at work, and so I was kind of left with, with the kids. You know, Danielle, she runs a tight ship when she's overseeing the kids, but I, I'm a little more like, just go have fun. And, um, and so my, my, my kids liked that. I mean, we, we, we would always have a good time, but on one occasion, you know, I was feeding them lunch, and I think I made them some like macaroni, something like that, and then I remember there were some grapes, and I cut up some grapes, and they were eating. And then I said, let's go out in the backyard and let's just have fun. And so we went into the backyard and we were having fun. I was on the deck at the time with my son, Logan, uh, but my, my daughter, uh, his, his twin, Logan's twin sister, Kayla, she was kind of disappeared from my sight for a minute. She had gone in the house, and at the time our, our, our deck wrapped around the house, so I couldn't see her. And I was sitting out there with Logan and just having fun with him, when all of a sudden Kayla comes around the, the corner and, and her face is red, slightly purple. And her eyes are big. And instantly, I, I could tell she was choking. And so I ran over to her, and not knowing what to do, never have been in a situation uh, like this. And I just ran over, and, and the one thing I knew to do was just, I, I just patted her on the back. And I just, I, I hit her on the back probably three times when all of a sudden a half cut up grape came out of her mouth. And she gasped and finally got some air and then she just broke down crying. And I ran over, I just, I just grabbed her and I, I started crying too. That was my, that was my daughter. And, and then I grabbed Logan and we just sat there and we just, we just hugged. 
I don't know, it felt like we hugged maybe for like 10 minutes. I said, I'm never, I'm never letting you guys out of my sight again. I'm never letting you go. And eventually she started coming too. And, and then she wanted to go play again. But I was like, listen, I'm going to advise us something. Don't you ever tell your mother about this, okay? <laughs> because if you do, we are all dead anyways. And, um, and I didn't. I, we didn't tell her. I just told her like last year for, for, for the first time. I, I realized in that moment, you have moments like that, you realize there is nothing you wouldn't do for your children. There is no length I wouldn't go for the good of my kids. You know, there, there's no sacrifice I wouldn't be willing to make. I'd sacrifice my own life for my kids. And friends, I need some of you to hear that. Your heavenly Father feels that way about you. He loves you like that. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Why? So that he could have an eternal relationship with you. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. He, he wants you to be a part of his world. He wants you to be a part of his. He desires a relationship with every single one of us. I just believe some of us, we need to open up our hearts to that and let that love, let it in. You know, people have Jesus in their life. They can be in the middle of a storm. And other people wonder, you know, why they're not falling apart. They wonder, how, how is your world falling apart, but you're not falling apart? Why are you not going crazy with fear? How do you have peace in the middle of your storm? And you're able to tell them it's not perfect. There's still struggle with fear there. But I find peace because I have someone living inside of me, someone in my boat, a person and a power who is stronger than any storm I might face. And when I call on, out to him and, and, and call on him to save me, here's the thing. He does. He's good. And he loves me. He meets me in my fear and he calms my storm. Not perfectly. But he does. Now here's the thing. You still got to show up. You still got to do your part. If you're taking a test, you still got to study. You want to do good at your job, you still got to, you got to work hard. You, you still have to do your part. But friends, some storms in this life are going to be beyond our control. Layoffs, bouts with cancers, loss of a child or a loved one. But those who weather the storms the best do everything they can on their part. And then they trust God with the rest in this life and then in the next. Friends, next week we're going to talk about purpose and living a life of impact. And so I encourage you to be back for that as we get ready for our Christmas Eve services. But uh, I just want to close this today with um, a word of prayer. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you be willing to stand? I'd love to pray for you So we close out our service today. If you just bow your heads with me and 
Let me just pray over you. Heavenly Father, thank, thank you for your love. God, I just believe there's some of us in here this morning, it's such good news, I don't think some of us truly believe it. And I just pray that you would give us the faith that we need, the faith that comes from you, God, by your gracious hand. That you would give us what we need to believe that you are a God who loves us, that you are a God who is here for us, and that you are a God who can help us endure and overcome and even come out greater on the other side in any storm. Lord, I do pray for those of us who are going through a storm this morning. Use it in our lives. Don't let it go to waste. Don't let it go to vain. Grow us. Teach us wisdom. Ultimately, teach us how to be more and more willing to let go and let you, God, work in our life. Give us that kind of faith. And I know there's others of us here, Lord, this morning that we've never invited your son, Jesus, into our life, into our boat. And if that's you out there this morning, if you've never invited Christ into your life, maybe this is the day where you say, yeah, I don't want to do life on my own anymore. I want a person, a power in my life who can help me overcome any storm and can ultimately help me overcome life itself and it can help me overcome death itself. And if that's you, just in your heart, you don't have to even pray this out loud. It's just between you and God right now. God sees what's going on in your heart. You just say, Jesus, I need you. I need you to come into my life. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you want to be in a relationship with me. Thank you you've done everything necessary to remove my sin through the sacrifice you made so that you and I could be in a peaceful, thriving relationship with one another. And Jesus, come into my life and help me this day forward. I put my trust in you. I love you. And we pray this in his name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for watching the message today at Edinburgh Church. Our hope is that you heard the clear message that God loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. If you made the decision to follow Jesus Christ today, that's great. We want to hear about it. We want to encourage and help you in your new faith journey. We want to send you a free resource of next steps to take in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. Email the address below or text YESJESUS to 555-888 to let us know. Thanks again for joining us. We want to celebrate with you.